Amen. Amen. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good morning. Good morning. Thankful to God for that worship. Thankful that we can be reminded of who we are and how great he is. Amen. Amen. My name is Rodney Wilkinson. Get to service lead pastor of Gospel Fellowship. And um, I was away on vacation last week and thankful to God for your prayers. Thankful to God for Pastor Winston uh, joining us and bringing God's word to us. Um, before we get into the word today, we have a very big announcement. Um, if you remember a couple months back, we were preaching through uh, the Beatitudes. Um, and we were talking about how God is calling us to be the salt of the earth. Um, and during that time, um, a ministry uh, began that I want to tell you guys about today. So without further ado, I'm going to bring out Mrs. Vicki, Miss Keisha, Miss Nahimi, Miss Berthany, Miss Vanessa. Let's give them a hand as they come. Okay, cool. Women are so important to the local church. They really, really are. And I'm thankful to God for them. Um, and I'm just gonna, Vicki, if you come up and we can have a little chat. Um, you gotta come all the way up, I gotta coach her, y'all. Okay, she's good. Um, Vicki has been with us from the beginning and um, she's gonna share a little bit about this vision and how it came to be. So, um about a year ago, the church hosted a baby shower to help mothers in need. To um, And we took all the donations. I don't know if you all remember when everybody was kind of donating. We took diapers and all types of things, and we did a community baby shower, and we donated everything to a local organization. But what we found um, was lacking is that we were able to give these girls resources through an organization, but we weren't able to impact them or give them Jesus in any way. It was just giving it to them and then they were leaving. Um, so we started to think about how can we impact these moms directly. So that is kind of what birthed this um, project. Awesome, awesome. So about that time we were going through the, the sermon series uh, and talking about being salt of the earth, um, actually in a discipleship group, talking to one of our guys who knows um, uh, Amy, who is the leader of this organization that we're partnering with called You Moms. Um, and so I got in contact with her and told her a little bit about what we've done in the past and then was able, this is important, not for Rodney to take lead and organize everything, but to find someone at our church that had a passion and a desire to help carry a vision and so I connected Amy with Vicky, okay? And then from there, what happened? Um, so Amy has an organization called You Mom, and she said that um, she ended up having a child later on in life, and she struggled with, even though she had help and she had support, she struggled with just bringing and rearing this child from um, birth and moving up. So she said, man, if I'm struggling and I have done this three times before and I have support, then I can't imagine what single parents are going through, teenage moms are going through. And she said that the church does a good job of preaching not to have an abortion, but doesn't walk with the mom after they have the child. So um, she said that's wrong. And that was the deficit that she wanted to fill. And we felt that partnering with her and coming in would help 
um, also serve our purpose of impacting moms. Awesome, awesome. Um, she and her husband pastor a church called Calvary Chapel in Green Acres. Um, and so they have been there in the community for some 20 odd years. And this, this organization has a lot of sponsors and support to it as well, and has been around uh, as well for a while. They have partnered with Palm Beach County Schools, other nonprofit agencies in the area. And so we feel like it's a very credible organization that Gossip Fellowship can partner with and see some, some, some real fruit come out of our partnership as we seek to serve um, moms in the area. So what are your hopes, Vicki, for Gospel Fellowship, Gospel Fellowship? And then I want you to introduce the rest of the team or have them introduce themselves. Um, so because um, I can't do it alone, we have um, the leaders of the church have kind of constructed a leadership team for the program, and these women have graciously stepped up in our offering up their expertise um, because I don't know everything. And so they're going to introduce themselves, their skill set, how uh, you guys as a church can help them in the things that they're leading up. And I will close out with how the church groups can help. Hello, everybody. My name is Keisha, and I will be helping with you, Mom, with social media, with photography, any other little random thing I'll be helping with, and that's it. You got a mic. My skill set, I'm a business owner, so I know how to do business stuff. <laughs> so, so that's what I'll be helping with. Hi, I'm Nihimi. I'm a labor and delivery nurse, so I'll be helping moms um, and equipping and educating. Me and Bethany will be educators in the eight-week um, classes and educating these moms how to care for themselves up into delivery and after and just preparing them to go forward after they have their baby. Um, my name is Bethany. Uh, I currently lead a social services team, and I help facilitate a lot of our workshops and events that we coordinate for our families at my current job, so I hope to bring that on for you, Mom, and just um, exposing these families to a lot of the resources that they need. It doesn't work. It's okay. <laughs> um, oh. Hi, I'm Vanessa. Um, I'm a medical social worker, so I guess I'm in charge of community resources. Um, which is very limited in the community, so but that's what I'm in charge of. Okay. So my team is a little shy, so I'm going to brag on them for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Keisha uh, owns her local owns a local small business, and she's been successful for quite a few years. So she's bringing to you, Mom, logistics and how to run things, um, in the sense of promotion, um, marketing. Um, social media is an aspect of that and kind of making sure that it runs cohesively and the small pieces that we would forget, that's what she would be taking part of. Nahimi, who is a labor and delivery nurse, is kind of self-explanatory because the girls are going to be pregnant. So we need somebody who is going to educate them and walk them through what they're going to expect, um, what that process is going to look like, and to say that her expert, you know, sometimes when you meet girls in the community, they kind of say, like, who are you to know these things? And her um, field kind of validates her knowledge, if that makes sense. Bertha Diaz, she stated, who runs um, a social services um, uh, pro program, thank you, is bringing also education in the sense of she knows how to coordinate the classes. Sometimes we have knowledge and we don't know how to express that knowledge or how it should be structured. Um, so GF, we always have a goal of 
doing things in an excellent way. And since that's what she's getting paid for to do on a daily basis, she is volunteering her services to us, and we thank her for that. Um, Vanessa here, if anybody knows Vanessa, if, if there's a resource, Vanessa can find it. If there is a job, Vanessa can find it. So in order to um, help these girls to not only um, have their baby, be educated in that sense, but to also find resources that can help them in, in areas that we cannot, and to also help them be stable um, in jobs and things of that nature, she would be bringing her expertise to that to help them kind of stand on their own two feet. So how can GF help us? Oh, Edna, who is not here, thank you. Edna, who is not here, is a nurse practitioner. Um, she just had a baby, so we clap up for that. Um, she will be bringing, of course, as a nurse practitioner, she brings a wealth of knowledge, resources, um, and capabilities to the team. And she, after um, her maternity leave, will be returning on the team as part of our um, education team and as part of our resources as well. Um, we, the, how can GF help? Hurley, thank you. Hurley, who is also not here. Um, thanks, guys. Um, Hurley, also, who is also not here, is heading up our pantry. So a part of the you mom is that um, pregnant moms usually want stuff, right? You don't want to just come and sit and get education without getting some diapers, wipes, clothing, something that would be beneficial to your um, upcoming child. So. You mom has a pantry, and the pantry holds resources that will be beneficial to the mom up until the first year of life. So coordinating everything that would be in that pantry as far as diapers, wipes, pacifiers, bibs, um, formula, whatever you can think of, clothing, um, will be in that. She will, Hurley will be coordinating that, keeping it stocked, and taking inventory. Um, so how can GF help us? Um, GF, we are a great team. We're a very educated group of people. We are a very um, generous group of people. So we are asking really for donations in, in the simplest sense. Um, if you know, you're going grocery shopping and you pick up a box of diapers for us, that would be great. If your child has grown out of diapers and you have not opened the box yet of the next set, instead of returning it to get another box of diapers, you know how that works, Go ahead and give that to us. If you have any lightly used clothing, we'll be taking that as well. Anything that your child has grown out of that we can pass on that is in good quality condition, we'll be taking. We are in need of your prayers. We are a fresh team. We are starting out um, in September, Lord willing. September 9th will be our first meeting with these girls. We are in need of prayer. We don't, we're talking about women from the community raw. We don't know what we're going to meet. We don't know how um, in what aspect of life we're going to meet them. So we're going to need to be able to meet them where they are, give them the love of Christ while educating them to take on a newborn child, which can be very difficult and taxing. So we need your prayers. At the end of the program, we host a baby shower for these girls to kind of send them off with at least a minimum amount of um, like, like a start off package. So anyone who could host, and when I say host by sponsorship, these young ladies at the baby shower would be of great essence. And it's just to be a small package of like diapers, wipes, clothing. We give the list and you and maybe a friend or a group, we have D groups and life groups could possibly come together and just buy it for that one girl. That would be great. Another part of the program is mentorship. If um, we have D groups and life groups and um, to mentor somebody doesn't necessarily mean that you have to always know 
or impart. Sometimes they just need somebody to be a friend, to say, you're wrong, that's right, the baby's crying, pick them up, I know you're tired. Just somebody to walk with them through life, that would be great if you're willing to mentor. We need those as well. And if anything on the list doesn't meet anything that you can do, at the very least, we ask, on the Mondays, these girls must eat. <laughs> if you could donate a meal, we will forever be grateful. We are, we are, um, the you, Amy, um, I'm sorry, Amy's past project, she's realized that she's gotten a lot of teenage moms. And teenagers are, we're there, I mean, they're coming from high school and they're coming to her classes. So they're coming hungry. So honestly, if you guys could provide a meal, drinks, paper products, it would, it would go a long way and we would truly be thankful. One of the things in our conversation with Amy as well was the amount of young men that are showing up with these young women to these classes. And so if we can have our guys as well to take an active role in um, walking with and mentoring these young men, that'd be amazing as well. So super, super, super excited. I'm gonna pray over this team. We'll ask that you stand and stretch forth your hand and we'll pray over them as well. This is a new initiative for us. Um, these girls are, we're getting these girls from high schools. You'll be surprised how many um, teenage moms are in high school and, and they'll be sent to us. So the girls are not gonna be the issue. They're gonna be, these girls are coming from all over for these services. And we get an opportunity not just to provide a need, but provide the gospel. And we have free reign to do that. That's a blessing, let's pray. Father, thank you for these uh, wonderful women uh, that are here. Thank you for the two that are not here. We just pray, Lord, that you would use this group to impact these women, these children, these unborn children, the fathers, the mothers, uh, the surrounding family, the community. Lord, we know, uh, God, that a community starts with a family. And so, Lord, we get an opportunity to come in on the ground level and be a support for them. So we pray in the name of Jesus that you would, that you would give us what to do, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us commitment, that we would continue, that we would be faithful. Lord, you've given a great team here. We pray uh, and understand that their education will fall short, their skill set will fall short, and they will need to lean and rest and rely on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give us what we need. God, we pray that this congregation would not just be a watching congregation, but an active congregation, putting our hands to the plow to support this team and impact these young girls. And so, God, we pray for your favor and your might and your provision and your wisdom, Jesus. We thank you for their work thus far. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies, so much. God bless you. Let's give them another hand. Amen. Amen. Have a special speaker for you today. Um, I've known him for about five years or so. Um, he is a young man that loves Jesus and loves this church. And so I'm happy to present Pastor Seth as he brings God's word to us. Amen. Mm -hmm. Good morning, GF. 
please keep that up. I need all the, all the response I can get today. So, um, I was just thinking as I was, I was backstage um, just how blessed we are as a church with um, that team that was on stage. Um, I've, I've gotten the chance to sit in some of the trainings with them. And uh, one of the things that, that struck me was um, not only do we have this, this group of ladies with you know, huge hearts for service, um, but each one of them are just very gifted leaders um, in their own fields, many of them here at GF. Um, so I was just thinking back there how, how exciting that is for us as a church, as a young church, um, to just have some strong female leaders. Um, so please keep them in your, in your prayers. And We're going to jump right into it. Uh, this morning we're going to be in Psalm 49. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, please join me in Psalm 49. The, uh, the title, as you'll, you'll see on the screen, is not a typo. That is a question mark. Um, so we're calling uh, this a, a, psalm, a psalm of praise. Um, and you'll see why in a minute. Um, just two points today. Um, if you're one of those people that you're going to feel robbed by not having three points, um, please just come up after me after the service. We can probably find something for you. So. Um, but let's, uh, let's first go to God in prayer here. And then we'll get into the text. Father, I just, I thank you for the truth of your presence, of your spirit, knowing that you are here among us, among your people. God, I want to be up here without your strength, without your power. God, you make this all work. You sustain your church and your people. And Father, I just pray that you would Speak through me this morning, speak through this text, that your truth would be evident, that you would soften hearts. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so Psalm 49, we're just going to start uh, in verse 1. <clears throat> Hear this, all you peoples, listen, all who inhabit the world, both high and low, rich and poor together. My mouth speaks wisdom. My heart's meditation brings understanding. I turn my ear to a proverb. I explain my riddle with a liar. And we're just going to pause uh, right there for a minute because, as you can probably tell, uh, this psalm has a little bit of a different vibe than some of the other ones that we've studied so far this summer. Um, last week, we were privileged to hear from Pastor Winston Miller speaking on, on Psalm 113 and the reasons we have for praising God. And while my prayer this morning is that God would, again, use his words to, to bring us into a posture of praise, I think one of the unique things about this psalm is the writer's approach in getting us there. Because rather than launching into words of adoration for God or calling us directly into praise, the psalmist instead starts off with a, listen up, all of you, low, high, rich, poor, I'm about to drop some wisdom on you. Just paraphrasing a little bit. So much like we'd see in, you know, for example, the book of Proverbs, we're being invited to listen and receive instruction and wisdom. Now, if you're anything like me, unless you're told otherwise, you just assume any psalm, any psalm that you read was written by King David. I'm glad I'm not the only one. But this psalm, if you look above verse 1 in your Bibles, is attributed to the sons of Korah, 
or the descendants of Korah. And there's an interesting backstory here that I think is worth exploring. So before we read through the rest of the psalm, we're going to take a quick trip back to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 16. And if you've been keeping up with your CBR journal, I know what you're thinking right now. I just spent this whole week wading through the book of Numbers. It's Sunday. It's supposed to be Psalm Day. So I get that, but just bear with me for a minute, and then we'll jump into Psalms. So Numbers chapter 16. Um, in this chapter, we're introduced to a man named Korah. Now, according to the scholars, not only did Korah, as a Levite, hold a position of high honor at the tabernacle, he was also considered to be quite wealthy. But apparently that wasn't enough for him. Because in this chapter, we see him leading a rebellion against God's, God's designated leaders, Moses and Aaron, in a quest for additional status and power. In verse 3, we see Korah and 250 other leaders unite the Israelite community and confront Moses and Aaron with these words. Everyone in the entire community is holy, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the Lord's assembly? In other words, what makes you better than the rest of us? Now at this point, Moses has to be thinking, look, I didn't want this job in the first place. I have to listen to nonstop complaining. My feet hurt. But he says, okay, let's see what God has to say about it. So in verse 29, Moses devises a test and tells the Israelites how it's going to go down. If these men die naturally, as all people would, and suffer the fate of all, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about something unprecedented and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them along with all that belongs to them so that they go down alive into Sheol, uh, Sheol being a Hebrew term for the realm of the dead or the grave, then you will know that these men have despised the Lord. Any guesses as to what happens next? Yeah. Verse 31, just as he finished speaking all these words, the ground beneath them, that's the rebels, split open. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households, all Korah's people and their possessions. They went down alive into Sheol with all that belonged to them. The earth closed over them and they vanished from the assembly. Now, just a side note, if you're looking for a, a pre-bedtime Bible story for your kids tonight, I wouldn't start with that one. So you'd think that would be the end of Korah and his family, right? But not quite. Because even in the midst of his righteous judgment, God chose to extend his grace. There's a short verse later on in Numbers 26 that's easy to miss, and it just says, in recapping this incident, the sons of Korah, however, did not die. So despite their father's wickedness and rebellion, Despite Korah's co-conspirators and their entire families being wiped off the face of the earth, God chose to spare Korah's sons. And it's Korah's descendants with that family history that brought us this psalm. 
So with that in mind, let's jump back into Psalm 49 and continue reading in verse 5. Why should I fear in times of trouble? The iniquity of my foes surrounds me. They trust in their wealth and boast of their abundant riches. Yet these cannot redeem a person or pay his ransom to God. Since the price of redeeming him is too costly, one should forever stop trying, so that he may live forever and not see the pit. For one can see that the wise die, the foolish and stupid also pass away. Then they leave their wealth, their wealth to others. Their graves are their permanent homes, their dwellings from generation to generation. Though they have named estates after themselves, but despite his assets, mankind will not last. He is like the animals that perish. This is the way of those who are arrogant and of their Instagram followers. Just making sure you're paying attention. Of their followers who approve of their words. Like sheep, they are headed for Sheol. Death will shepherd them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. And their form will waste away in Sheol, far from their lofty abode. Point number one. God, but... I recently had the uh, distinct privilege of attending a 90s-themed karaoke party along with several, several members of this congregation who shall remain nameless. Now, being one who prefers to have uh, a plate of food in my hand rather than a microphone, I was able to sit on the couch and make a couple observations over the course of the evening. First of all, Thanks to a song that's now been stuck in my head for the past week, I was reminded that ladies don't want no scrubs. <laughs> and when you're one of only two guys in the room, it's kind of hard not to take that personally. <laughs> Secondly, as we cycled through these 90s music videos, I was reminded of the fleeting nature of not just fashion, of course, uh, but also wealth and fame. Because during just about every song that came on, someone would ask the question, hey, whatever happened to uh, him, her, where, where are they now? Because with a few exceptions, many of these artists who 25 years ago were on top of the world, cruising in their Bentleys, are now probably just trying to make payments on their minivans. Wealth is fleeting. So if this is a psalm of instruction, as we established earlier, what's the instruction? Maybe you're reading uh, verse 6 and thinking, well, if the instruction is to not boast of my abundant riches, then check, I'm good. But what we read in the opening verses implies that there's something deeper here, something that applies to all people, high and low, rich and poor. And while this psalm clearly has a lot to say about wealth, let's not make the mistake of assuming that this is just a warning for the wealthy or that possessing wealth is somehow ungodly. The key is in the first line of verse 6. They trust in their wealth. And although wealth itself is not universal, what is universal is the human need to place our trust in something, 
or someone. And praise God that there is a someone who is infinitely worthy of our trust. Psalm 910 says, Those who know your name trust in you, because you have not abandoned those who seek you, Lord. Yet, how easy it is to hold back just a little bit of our trust, to hedge our bets. We'll say things like, I trust you, God, but we see this play out on both ends of the spectrum. For those possessing wealth who enjoy the perceived security and power that it brings, how easy it is to trust in that wealth while at the same time living in perpetual fear of losing it. You might catch yourself saying things like, God, I know you've called me to be generous, but I heard the next recession is right around the corner. Or, everything I own belongs to you, God, but I need to get my investment goals in order before I can start tithing. And then there are those whose lack of wealth has them also living in fear, fear of their inability to obtain it. Meanwhile, trusting that somehow obtaining this wealth will resolve their issues of fear and insecurity. You might say things like, I know you have a plan for my future, God, but I've got these 10-year goals and I need to keep grinding. I'll let you know when I need your help. Or, God, I know you've called me to disciple that friend, but they make twice what I do. I'm a nobody. What could I possibly have to say to them? In Luke 12, Jesus confronts this issue of trust head-on with a parable. Luke 12, 16, a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So wherever you're coming from, whatever your status, the conclusion is clear. Earthly wealth is fleeting and placing our trust in it is foolish. Back in verse 7 of Psalm 49, we're reminded of the ultimate limitation of wealth and riches. Verse 7, Yet these cannot redeem a person or pay his ransom to God, since the price of redeeming him is too costly. One should forever stop trying. Uh, theologian C. Hassel Bullock summarizes it this way. The idea of redemption was to provide an equivalent value for the thing or person redeemed, a value that, as in our psalm, is not always specified. But the meaning is clear, that the life of an individual is too precious to provide an equivalent value for. To, parap to paraphrase slightly, 
Money or no money, we're all going to die. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but unless the Lord returns, all our days are numbered. We cannot buy our way out of death. Not for lack of trying by some people. If you've been in South Florida for any length of time, you probably know what I mean. So we're left with this lingering taste of, of hopelessness so far. If wealth is untrustworthy, and I can't ransom myself, and no one on earth can redeem me, it's game over, right? Well, it would be, except for two words in verse 15. But God. But God will redeem me from the power of Sheol, for he will take me. Point number two. But God. Now, up to this point in this psalm, we've been reading about the futility of trusting in wealth, the inevitability of death, the hopelessness of buying one's own redemption, and then suddenly, but God will redeem me. I think it's telling that the psalmist doesn't just say, God will rescue me, or God's got my back. No, the word choice is intentional. Because where redemption separates itself is when the element of cost is introduced. And therein lies the catch. Who could ever pay such a ransom? Clearly, all the wealth we could ever accumulate won't cover it. So we can't buy it. What about goodness? What about good behavior? Isaiah tells us that all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So we can't earn it either. I think Tim Keller answers it best in this quote. But God, instead of demanding a ransom from us, pays it himself. The psalmist doesn't know how this can be done, but he is confident. The missing piece is Jesus. Only at the cross do we discover how much it cost God to redeem us from the realm of the dead. Speaking about himself, Jesus affirms this in, in Matthew twenty twenty eight. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. You see, we're all a lot more like Korah than we'd like to admit. We're rebellious, insecure, trusting in the wrong things. But because of God's grace, the same grace he extended to Korah's sons, we have the choice to be more like them. Seeing clearly the futility of earthly wealth and power while looking to God and embracing redemption instead of rebellion. And if Korah's sons trusted God for their redemption, how much more so should we? We who now know the whole story of God's redemptive plan. Because of the gospel, we know the ransom payment that God made on our behalf, the life of his son. Perfect and sinless, he paid the price that we could not. 
1 Peter tells us, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. And God didn't stop there. Because when we look at Ephesians 2, we encounter those same two words again. But God. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. So we aren't just offered redemption, church. We're offered a relationship. A relationship with our living Redeemer. And if that doesn't make this a psalm of praise, I don't know what does. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your redemption. I thank you for paying the price that we could not. The life of your son Jesus, who is our living redeemer, who sits at the right hand of God, who extends grace to those of us who don't deserve it, those of us who so eagerly pursue temporary fleeting things like wealth and and status. And yet, God, you come to us in our deadness, in our sin, in our rebellion, and you offer us your redemption. Not only did you pay it, God, but you extend it to us as a free gift. God, I just pray that that truth would root itself deep in the hearts of each person here today. Uh, that as we enter this week, we would be looking to you as our true source of redemption. We love you, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.